0: This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by Simply Liturgical Music. Simply Liturgical Music is the liturgical music platform that is reimagining the industry. Browse, purchase, and download brand new, affordable music in minutes. Print or download as much as needed with lifetime access to all purchases. Whether it's psalms, hymns, mass settings, or other ritual music, SLM has music composed by a growing network of talented composers from all over the world. Ministry Monday listeners can receive $10 off Advent or Christmas music when using code YEARC2021. Again, that's YEARC2021. Explore our digital catalog at slmusic.org. Simply Liturgical Music. Reimagining the Industry From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is Episode 172 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at Ministry Monday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello. We are so glad that you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the Church Music Minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Today is week three of a four-week mini-series focusing on The Singing Priest. Last week, we heard from Nicholas Will. It was a replay episode from January 2020 when he was the director of music for the North American Pontifical College in Rome. Today, we hear from Father Michael Stumpf, pastor of Mary Queen of Peace Parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Father Stumpf speaks to us today about the relationship between clergy and music minister within the context of the Mass. How can it be strengthened? And what can it do for the liturgy? Father Michael also discusses the daunting yet rewarding task of learning the exultet for Easter Vigil. This in particular is a great episode to forward to your pastor, deacon, or other clergy team member. On a personal note, this episode was one of my favorites to record and produce, as I've known Father Michael for many years. Prior to becoming full-time at NPM, Father Michael was my pastor and my boss for the last 13 years when I worked as director of music. It was a pleasure to sit down and share with you some of the things that he and I have found that worked best during our time together in ministry. Today on Ministry Monday, I am speaking to Father Michael Stump. Hi, Father Michael. How are you?
1: I'm great, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. Good, thanks for agreeing to be on the Singing Priest series. So if those who are listening don't know, you were my boss for a very long time (laughs) until I just recently became full-time at NPM. So you and I have worked together for quite a long time. And one of the things I've always appreciated about you is your love of music. And so I hoped that we could talk today about the Singing Priest in all the different ways that that embodies great So as we start for the listeners, would you mind just sharing a little bit what started your love for music?
1: Wow um, love for music is probably from my parents to be quite honest with you. Um, I grew up with parents who were very much into uh, I grew up in the country so it was kind of the folk music in the, in the 60s and 70s and so, I grew up with a lot of that as well as um, my mother's side of the family is really, they're singers. And so, I mean, it was typical you know, gathering in the country uh, always ended up in, as the evening went on around a large fire, bonfire, campfire, and they would be singing all kinds of, you know, uh, hymns, ballads, uh, folk music, Um, You know, and it was amazing because they'd be even singing it oftentimes in multiple harmonies and things. And so I guess I could say that I grew up with music as part of the fiber of my life. And I would also say, you know, my, my mother you know we were uh, you know we were involved in the church and she tried to keep us involved and connected to the church as much as possible we also had a lot of um like bible school records and things as I was really saying. oh yeah oh yeah so so you know some of those uh, those those simple yet beautiful little memorable tunes that you know like the Arky, Arky and things like that you know about noah so uh, those were always a part of uh, the tradition. Um, and I grew up in a Capuchin parish. And so very, very Franciscan, uh, beautiful, simple, uh, earth-centered, creation-centered uh, spirituality. Um, oftentimes the, the priests were, were coming actually out of foreign missions and then coming to our own little country parish where I grew up. And so uh, there was a great music tradition as well. And uh, it was, uh, you know, then it was glory and praise. And I just remember a lot of the songs just kind of sticking with me um, as we were, uh, you know, from mass throughout the week, just, you know, remembering and humming them as as even a a kid or a teenager.
0: Do you have any that come to mind?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, You are near, Yahweh, I know you are near, always at my side. Of course, uh, very much uh, Franciscan, uh, and it's still one of my favorites. Um, uh, The heavens are telling the glory of God. Uh, So um, the canticle Canticle of the sun, sun.
0: yes. Mm -hmm. It's just
1: such, such, such energy. And I have to say, too, you know, I I grew up, there was a a folk group uh, in our church that was one of the, the, they were the music at one of the masses. And they also, they did a lot of writing of some of their own stuff. So there was some very unique, uh, very unique uh, pieces of music. And so, uh, as well as, you know, the traditional, uh, some of the traditional hymns that we're we're all familiar with. Um, So very Catholic.
0: Very Catholic. So you were raised Catholic then, clearly. Very much, yes. Right. So as you grew into your role in priesthood, how did you develop your appreciation or how did you start to see music in the role of the liturgy as the presider for a lot of those liturgies? So,
1: I mean, the, the role of music in the liturgy, how did I start to see that? Um, well, first of all, you know, of course, in seminary experience, usually seminary musical experiences, they, they really try. In my, in my experience, which was uh, here in Pittsburgh, as well as uh, St. Vincent's and Latrobe, I think they really tried to uh, share, share with you and expose you to what was going on currently, uh, both the tradition of the church, uh, as well as what was happening in some of the contemporary uh, music within the church as well. And so I think the exposure, um, I mean, I, I learned all kinds of uh, new songs, hymns, uh, psalm settings, that just, you know, powerful, moving, touching. And I guess uh, maybe if I have to be real, if, if I'm just being totally upfront and honest, I guess I I know what, music has done and how it affects me in liturgy. And so I I, I mean, I know that experience myself and I hope for that experience within the context of liturgy, whether it is something, uh, a chanting of uh, one of the mass parts, or whether it's the meditation hymn or the closing hymn that's supposed to give us the energy to go forth. I, I know that experience myself and, and probably have continued to grow in it as I learned and experienced new music. And of course, you said we work together. So you were outstanding at exposing, I think, the congregation and me to the diversity of different music, musical settings, musical styles. And I really think that that is incredibly important because we call ourselves Catholic. Which is universal, and there is a beauty, and a power, and a communication and a prayer to almost every style of liturgical music that I've experienced, whether it's from tradition to contemporary to gospel to, um, you know, to the to the uh, hymns, the traditional hymns that we were singing, whether we're Protestant or Catholic. You know, I, I think there, there's a beauty to all of those different styles. And I, I think they're, they, they all can find a place somewhere in the context of liturgy.
0: I think so too. You and I have done a lot together in terms of music and relationship building between a music ministry and clergy. So for example, for those who don't know, um, who are listening, one of the things that you and I often did was that you would sing the Marty Haugen Kyrie. Would you mind kind of explaining what we would do with that? Typically, usually did it around Advent.
1: Yeah, so uh, one, one of the things, one of the beautiful things I would say, it's speaking about relational and um, you and I, uh, Amanda, is you encouraged and challenged me to participate and to sing and to use my voice. And, and if we're going to talk about pastor-music um, minister relationship, I mean, that is a really important thing, I think, to be able to do between pastor and music minister, music minister and pastor, to really be able to, uh, you know, again, ha- have a, a, at least a strong working relationship where, you know, you can say i'd like to try this can you work with me on this you know i think it would be powerful if and i mean there's this is one of those circumstances where you said to me you know this is you know it is it is lent the curia is such an important part of the lenten experience as we're calling upon the mercy of god can you sing this you know can you can you lead the congregation in this and so uh yeah, so great example uh, of of music minister pastor relationship, and it was it became a beloved and powerful uh, musical prayer curie uh, for our congregation, our community as well, uh, because it was uh, was a unique setting where it was uh, where there was a uh, it would be repeated by the congregation. The refrain just kept being repeated, and then there was the the singing of the verse over top of ostinato is that what that's yep.
0: called yep ostinato <laughs> yep you got it
1: <laughs> good so um so so it was it was really just a re- powerful expression uh of calling upon god's mercy as an entire parish community
0: and i have to say too just to stay on this for one more second i think one of the things that was so impactful that i think some clergy i won't make a sweeping generalization but i think some clergy may not realize that you know, the power of your voice makes such an impact to the congregation. And you know, as well as I, that that particular song that Kyrie was so beloved because you you stepped up and you sang the verses actually while the cantor continued to encourage a congregation to sing. I will say this, we had one complaint over time about that song in that it was that congregation members were singing too loudly on the refrain. And they said, we can't hear Father Michael enough. We can't hear him enough. And I said, well, that's a great problem to have because that means that you are singing too loud. Um, but, but, (laughs) But really though, like it was because you stepped up and you also truly like actively helped to facilitate that in the liturgy. And I really do think, you know, your voice Uh, not just your voice, but like the clergy's voice in general, the singing voice has such a strong impact when it's used in the liturgy. I think it's underestimated sometimes.
1: Well, yeah, uh, I would, I'd agree. And we know that as, as pastors and priests and, you know, deacons, as clergy within communities, that people, you know, in the Catholic culture look toward to us for all kinds of things. And if we use that, that, um, you know, Christ is head, or, you know, the, the the place that, you know, we find ourselves in leadership in the community, also in musical leadership, and we're able to share that, it, it does have an impact for sure. I think the other part of that too, by the way, is um, when I sing the Kyrie, and when I would sing that Kyrie or other things, I also am doing so as a sinner. Hmm. And, and and I mean, I think that's the other thing that's really important about, you know, when it comes to music in the liturgy. And Amanda, we've spoke about this a n- number of times. You know, you want it to be quality, no matter what the style, and no matter you know how it's how it's used or expressed, no matter what instrumentation, you want it to have quality, but not just quality musically, but also quality of the heart, quality of prayer, and so you know, you can, you can do a, a piece beautifully, you know, uh, musically speaking, without a sense of a connection of the heart and prayer and the connection and the meaning of that. Um, you, you're missing a, a true element of what liturgy is supposed to be about, which is the communal celebration, uh, dynamic prayer uh, that we get the, the privilege of participating in as, as the body of Christ.
0: That's right. I want to transition just for a little bit and go to maybe even an even bigger picture item, which is the exultet. So of course the exultet traditionally or typically is prescribed for a deacon to sing it, if I remember correctly, Um, but of course and oftentimes um, maybe a parish doesn't have a deacon, or the deacon goes, "I don't want to do that," and so often um, a, a priest will do it. And you learned the Exultet in the last couple of years. You you learned the new revised version. So you know how how did you prepare for singing the Exultet, especially that first year that you were learning it?
1: Well, I'll start out by saying. No, maybe not well,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> because maybe I'm glad there wasn't live streaming back then. You know, in our parish community, so that's not <laughs> important. <to> that. <laughs> but, um, but uh, I think I think that that piece is such. You know, that the, the beginning, if you will. Of, of, of the celebration of the liturgy. Of course, there's, the, the, there's all the symbolism and the movement that happens at the vigil, you know, with fire and the procession with the Easter candle. But I mean, that's really the, it sets the tone for the celebration of what you're, you know, the tradition, the beauty, the history, what is ancient, what is ever new. You know, it, it sets the tone for all of that. And so I really think it's important that it, it can, it's done as well as possible. Um, and so, uh, it, it all, I have to honestly say, I mean, it's one thing to sing for a couple minutes. <laughs> it's another thing to sing for seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, if you're doing the, the, the long form of the exaltet. And of course it, uh, the, the traditional chant, um, which, you know, is, 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 is very rhythmic Um, It it seems in some, you know, I I think the way to uh, try to learn is to keep a movement in that for that period of time. That was probably some of the biggest challenge uh, in learning the exalted. I would say that, well, I just mentioned uh, just previously how important, you know, it is to express quality of not only music, but the heart. I think one of the most important parts about uh, singing something especially that extended is to be able to find places that are really significant and meaningful for me and what I think is meaningful for the body of Christ, the community. And so, uh, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, that every minute or so there's something that's really meaningful to you or to me. And so that when I'm singing something, when I when I when you get to the parts of the exalted where you keep saying, this is the night, you know, and, and of right. course there's that musical, the, the notes kind of are, are, are continually flowing with that. that's right. The, to try to, to try to emphasize and to move that, like this is the night, you know, folks, this is the night. <laughs> this is the night when, you know, when death has been conquered, when redemption has happened, when when light you know conquers darkness. Um, So I think having a a connection to it prayerfully personally, uh, as well as um, being able to keep that moving and that meaning significant for other people was was very important. And the other thing I'll say is lots and lots and lots of preparation. (laughs) 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 Listening to it over and over again. Uh, working with the music minister, you know, within the space in preparation for that Mm -hmm. was extremely important and significant. So you're not just, you know, singing in your shower or your own room or your house uh, or your office, but actually being in in, in the space itself, hearing the, you know, what it's like to hear it over the microphone system. Uh, Those things were all extremely important.
0: So... On this is the night, by the way, that phrase where the notes would kind of flow in different ways, I know what you're talking about, that's called a, a melisma or melismatic, where you have one syllable, but the in a chant, you have a lot of, like, you have a flowing line there. And I've always interpreted those melismatic lines on this is the night is almost like the chance way of making this italicized <laughs> because of the same thing you said, because it makes people focus like this is the night it's like adding bold or underlined you know um because too i mean the exult is long but in some ways it's kind of formulaic to an extent um it's like to me a lot of roman missal chant where it's like da, 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 da you know has kind of a form that it kind of follows but it is those this is the nights that I remember you practiced quite a bit on in the space.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and probably never got actually to the text.
0: <laughs> well, no, no, you did get to the text, but but I think the point though is, I think it's right in between what you just said, where you practiced and you prepared vocally, mentally, But, and I remember saying this to you at the time, I said like, okay, if you don't do it exactly like the way you remember on your recording, like this is is the night or whatever the phrase is, I said, just stick with it and just keep going because that's the hard part of it. You know, like I, no one, no one is going to come up to a priest at the end of Easter vigil, after Easter vigil, shake the hand of the priest and go happy Easter father. I noticed on that one, this is the night. It was a little bit shaky. Like no one's going to ever say that. And so that's, I think where the heart comes in, you know?
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. You missed two of those notes. Uh, you missed two.
0: Probably, yeah.
1: <laughs> probably Not going to say that.
0: No, no, no. The only people that really know that is, well, their clergy and the music ministers. So, and that that's okay. That's all right. So, you know, as we wrap up, I want to talk just about one last block of things, which is really, you know, a message to both sides, you know, music ministers that are listening, and maybe even clergy that are listening, because I do encourage you, if you're listening to this, please send this to your clergy member. Um, We do think that these episodes have been such a great way to explore this relationship between music and clergy and music ministry. I just think it's great. So, Let's just take a second and kind of address both camps, if that's okay. So first off, if someone's listening to this and they are a director of music and they may be struggling to an extent to maybe get the level of participation or interaction, in, you know, interplay in a, in a liturgy between the clergy and music, how would you encourage or suggest a director of music to maybe foster that relationship a little bit more deeply?
1: Well, it's beautiful because, you know, in many ways, both are liturgical leaders. And, I, and that probably in itself can lead to some sort of differences for sure. And, and But I think, you know, we are in a movement right now where Pope Francis is talking about synodality, which in its fun- most fundamental level is listening and how important it is for us as the body of Christ but no matter where we find ourselves in the body of Christ, all deeply and intimately a part of it to be listening to one another. And so I, I would, you know, you, you could, I, I'd ask the question from both ways. Are, are, is the music minister listening to the member of clergy and what's happening, you know, why that he as a liturgical leader um, holds something so strongly and so dear? Is the clergy member, listening deeply and to, you know, the expertise of, of the music minister. And, you know, the, because of course, you know, music ministers, uh, if you're listening to this through MPM, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your best to keep yourself steeped in the tradition, as well as contemporary with what's happening in the, in the musical movement, liturgical movement within the church. And so I think each has something to share with one another about the liturgy and to be Challenged by one another is, I think, really important. I, M- Amanda, I would have never done some of the things in the liturgy if you wouldn't have said, "I think you can do this, and I think this is this would be very impactful for the community." I would have, I would have not done it, and so I, I, you know, so I think that that sense of openness, and again, we're really there, of course, not only to give worship and praise to God, but to Encourage the active participation of the community in the congregation, and so the liturgy shouldn't be about me. <laughs> it shouldn't be about you as the music minister. It should be about the community gathering together in both um, in in both supper and sacrifice, in in the Word of God, in all the places that we know Christ is present. You know, clergy, Word, sacrament, community to gather together in that. Uh, to to build us up as the body of Christ and to live it in the context of our everyday lives. So they, that was a that was maybe too much of an answer for your question. And no, both sides already.
0: <laughs> you covered both sides. You covered both sides, and that's that's perfect too. Because I know that for many years you and I have talked about the relationship between music and clergy, and how when it's done well with heart and with, uh, like you said, like a high level of musicality and knowledge, it really can elevate the entire experience if, if done, just again, like being like aware of each other and working with one another. Actually, I have a funny story to, to end with. Um, you and I recently did a wedding and um, we had been doing community mass at the parish and I decided at the last minute to do math of creation and I didn't tell you and so uh during the words of institution I am glued to you because I'm thinking oh my gosh is he gonna remember which mystery of faith to do because we had just been doing community for so long so I, when you looked up I mouthed to you do you know what you're gonna, like do you know it <laughs> because that to be honest I, I should have told you in advance that was a That was a mistake on my part. But that's such a good example, though, of the small, subtle ways that the music minister can support the clergy and that the clergy can communicate what they need to the music minister, too. And you did. You did it right.
1: (laughs) After the second or third note, I think I caught on.
0: (laughs) It was just the one note. It was fine. It was fine.
1: But that was Amanda that seriously between clergy and music ministries and music ministers, I mean that communication is essential. And I mean that, you know, not only before liturgy begins, not only, you know, long before talking about music, proximate, you know, checking in beforehand, is there anything different that we need to share with one another? But then literally during liturgy, which I know sometimes is really hard if a music minister is is far distant from the clergy, but being able to make some sort of eye contact and to, you uh, you know, really do this, dance of the liturgy if I can use that analogy together um knowing that you know it's not just one person or an individual the music minister or the priest but being able to communicate that is so essential um and so needed as we both have the privilege of leading our people in our community in prayer
0: that's so true it's a good place to end for now Thank you, Father Michael, for your time today on Ministry Monday. And thank you for all you do for the parish for ministry.
1: Thanks for having me, Amanda. Thank you to all of you for listening.
0: Thanks so much to Father Michael for his time today. For more information about Father Stumpf or to listen to any of the other episodes from the Singing Priest series, check out the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Kyrie was produced by GIA Publications, and today's show theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the last final part of The Singing Priest here on Ministry Monday.